Bearstone County contains explicit language and graphic content of all kinds and is not suitable for sensitive listeners or anyone under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 4, Trick of the Light, Part 1, narrated by Luke Mott. I know you can love me, but you've given up on yourself. And though I don't blame you, I do resent you. Not because of what you owe me, mind you, but because of what you owe yourself to be happy. You think I don't see the sadness behind those green eyes, but I do. I see you. But do you see me? Do you see all that I have done for you? How much I want to help you? Tears well up in her eyes. The first sign of healing. That's it. That's what I mean. Let me help you. Eyeliner trickles down her cheek and across the duct tape covering her mouth. The bite marks on my hand radiate, and the pain sends shivers through my body. You know how to hurt so good. I wish we had more time. Her glinting eyes watch the fire shudder from the candlestick. I crouch next to her, watching the flame dance in the draft from the windowsill. I see you've taken notice of my work. Her name is Evelyn. Such a beauty. I stroke her cheek and she winces. My skin burns with the memory, with the hatred of what she became. The betrayal of sin. Then came the infliction of pure peril psychosis and she regressed into her more primitive instincts. But I carved the lechery from her body and fashioned what you see on the curio. A light in the dark. The tear finally falls from my eye. Isn't she beautiful? I turn to her, brush my fingers over her cheek, and look her deep in the eyes. It's what will become of you. Her eyes widen and the shadows weave through the creases in her face, contorting her features. I almost see her as she was when I fell in love with her, but... It's just a trick of the light. Please, let me go. Go? Where would you go? No, 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 no. 
Why does that upset you so much? Don't you remember what we used to be? You're fucking crazy. I don't even know you. You do. Yes, you do. I am your savior from this gluttonous existence. I touch her cheek, soft and wet. She shivers as I run my fingers across the cut below her eye. I've lived in your dreams. I lick the blood off her face. She quivers. I know you felt me there. I pull her head against my chest and smell the remnants of strawberry oil in her hair, mingling with the blood. Please don't hurt me. I have a family. Hurt you? I'm going to free you. I stroke her sweat-soaked hair. Don't worry. The pain can't last forever. The blade glides through the skin and into the thick layer of fat. Her breath trembles as she tries to form the words. Monster? I smile and twist the blade. I lean in close so she can feel the warmth of my breath on her neck. No. I'm well within the bounds of humanity, my dear. Oh, my dear Lillian. You were the one. I will forever regret not knowing the tender caress of your fingertips, nor the touch of your velvet lips. Yet I will carry you with me forever. For though your heart has ceased to beat, your soul shall be unfurled through the artistry crafted by my hands. First, I begin by trimming the fat from the skin, sure not to be wasteful. I start with the stomach and breasts, then make my way to the cheeks, back, legs, and arms. Then I render the fat into its liquid form, placing it in a stock pot over the stove. I add water and filter the cracklings that float to the top, sure to stir every so often for several hours. While it dries, I pour the molds, add the wicks, and mix in fragrance oil. A simple aroma immensely helps with sales. Most of the other podunk chandlers in town leave them bare, and the stench of tallow swarms any homestead unfortunate enough to burn those tacky imitations of my art. I suppose I find it disconcerting, knowing that I'll never be appreciated in my own time. When I'm finally caught, I suspect they'll hang me and label me a monster. The newspaper calls me a scourge. They call me murderer. I suppose they're right, but they don't understand what I truly am. I liberate the souls of the spurned into something Beautiful, timeless. I transform them using their self-contempt and create new life. 
I stow the body on my horse and ride to the woods outside of town. It's a short jaunt from the ranch and I only move in the dark. I pose her for the sheriff, nothing too ostentatious. I only let him peek at my hand, give him enough to play the game. However, this time is different. I want him to get close, closer than he's ever been. Sign my initials, maybe? No, I'm not sure he knows his letters. Perhaps a well-defined boot print? No, no, that'd be too vague. I reach into my pocket and feel a candle, only a nub with a stiff, charred wick. I smile. My sweet Evelyn. You were always so perfect. I place the candle at Lillian's feet, sprawled and bloody, strike a match and light the wick. I watch it for a few moments, letting the wax drip into the dirt, leaving the faint scent of lilacs. Heavy shadows flicker across Lillian's face, now mostly only muscle fibers. But her lips remain untouched, glistening in the candlelight. A longing overtakes me and I stand, lean across the faint light and gently clasp our lips together. Tears well up under my closed eyelids and a whimper presses from my throat. I run my fingers across her cheek to the back of her head and yank. I quiver and breathe passionately, unwilling to end this moment, unable to surrender to the world outside of this kiss. Fear engulfs my body and I begin nearly convulsing, weeping through the pain, the hatred and rage. I squeeze her face so tight that I feel blood running through my fingers and down my arm. Come back, please, come back to me. Get a hold of yourself, you pathetic swine. You bulbous waste of spunk. You're nothing. You hear me? Nothing. After a moment of collecting my faculties, I grab the candle from the ground, blow it out, and stuff it back into my pocket. I mount my horse and begin my journey back home, stomach aching like I've been gutted, intestines spilling out by the foot, but I don't dare look back, now or ever. What waits for me now lies in the darkness ahead. By Sunday, I found no respite. The adrenaline makes sleeping difficult. The drug of love surges through my body and the touch of our kiss still burns in my veins. I toss and turn until I see a pale light of a new sun trickle through the window, imbuing the clouds in a bloody gray not yet reaching the pinnacles of the eastern mountains. Groaning, I reluctantly hoist myself to the foot of my bed and watch the sun peek over the horizon through my window. The warmth seeps into my pores, boiling my blood. 
A deep rage sits in my chest for the chaos wrought by the daylight. I fear I may have sealed my fate last night in my arrogance. I know better than to behave so impulsively, so recklessly. I've been so carefully building my reputation, albeit an enigmatic one. Mistakes cannot be handled with disregard. It cannot happen again. But something is missing. I can't quite place my finger on it. An unusual fatigue weighs on my mind, a form of emotional exhaustion, like an ending is drawing near. High noon comes, sweltering and dry, stirring up putrid stenches from the barn and excruciating shots of lightning bolts in my head. I feel my body quiver with exhaustion, yet my mind continues to race. I should try and get some sleep. I roll to my back and watch the white ceiling swirl in a slew of colors, forming shapes and faces in front of my eyes, the faces of my beloved cherubs, my muses, each leaving their lasting impression on me. On the mantle on the far wall, I've kept one candle from each of them, untouched and perfect, as they should have always been. Furthest to the left is Darlene, my first. I was so timid then, unable to process the beauty of what I had done. I hid your remains too well, too deep in the woods. When they finally came upon you, the weather and wildlife had taken their toll. The Undertaker cited your death as an unidentified animal attack. Next are Martha, Gwendolyn, and Florence, to which I was indeed the student, honing my craft. I am forever indebted to you, for it was through your suffering that my artistry was genuinely able to flourish. Then Gabriella, my shy enchantress. Your words were so few, yet so profound. Through you I came to fruition, no longer a student. I finally became the master. At the end is Evelyn, my beautiful, sweet Evelyn. You never knew how gorgeous you were in life. It's disappointing that you will never know how beautiful your soul radiates after death. I close my eyes and think of Lillian, my bane, my true love. So sweet was your scent in life, and too shall it be in death. Lips as soft as rain clouds, never to know the pain of growing old. Her skin sags, contorting in front of my eyes. I then realize I am staring into the eyes of my mother. I'm young again, 12 years old, overweight, and curled up against the back wall of my closet. Gashes on my skin burn from the whipping of the belt and switch. In the doorway, she stands, hunched over, swaying in the breeze of a whiskey-induced haze. She raises the belt and I bury my face. 
she swings. You fat, pathetic swine! No wonder your father left us. Look at you. Who could ever love you? You'll stay in there until you're presentable. Until someone can love you. For four days, I starve in the dark, only seeing the sunlight once a day to empty the chamber pot in one corner and fill the water bucket in the other. If the chamber pot isn't full enough, she beats me again for not trying hard enough. Always with the switch until I pass out. I'm so sorry, my sweet baby boy. I love you. Liar! I jolt and find myself sitting up in bed, panting. I look around me and find it's well into the night. My bedding is soaked in sour sweat and I feel the crotch of my pants. I've wet myself. I cannot continue like this for much longer. Being a phantom hiding in the dark. What have I become? Pathetic. Stop it. Stop it. You're pathetic. Pathetic swine. Who could ever love you? I see the women's bodies, each utterly demolished, barely recognizable. I see my mother burning in her sleep, set ablaze by my hand, guided by my rage. Her skin bubbles under the flames, and the screams echo through the furthest reaches of my mind. This episode of Bearstone County was written, directed, and produced by Luke Mott, with musical themes, scores, and sound design by Luke Mott. Starring Luke Mott as Henry Kahn, Rachel Irvin as Lillian Whitaker, Judy Decker as Mrs. Kahn. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave a rating or review on whatever streaming service you listen on, and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter at Bearstone County. Stories written in their original format can be found on our website, somniaticarts.com slash County. Thank you for listening. <laughs>